Last week, Pastor Rick started a message on um, our identity. And really what it was is it was a continuation of, of kind of where, where he's been, talking about the Bible, talking about uh, what the Bible is and why we need to read it and kind of giving us an overview and, and, and why it's important. And then he, last week he said, what does the Bible say about us? What does it say about you? What does it say about me? And he started really talking about our identity and our identity in Christ. And he said this. He said, one of the things we know from scripture is that God chose us. He chose you. He chose me. He chose us. I want to call your attention to Ephesians chapter one, verses four through six. And it says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. He chose us. And why did he choose us? Because he loves us. Because his love prompted and compelled him to choose us. Because he created us. Because he wanted us. He wanted to be with us. He wanted to, to end our war between us. You see, we're either with him or we're against him. And so he chose us. But what, what next? What else does the Bible say? He chose us because he loved us. He chose us because he created us. He chose us because he wanted us to be with him. But what else does it say? Because you were chosen, you are a new creation. Because you are chosen, you're a new creation. If you want to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, we're going to spend some time there. So that's Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 22. As you're doing that, let me read this other passage to you from 2 Corinthians. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. There was a time in our life where we only had one point of view. And it was a worldly point of view. It was a selfish point of view. It was a point of view that had us in the center of all eternity. Us. We were God and he was not. And you're like, whoa, that's strong. That's the way we lived. I was the center of my universe. I was what was important. And everything I saw was through that lens of me. Paul's saying we once had that point of view, but we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Man, it's, it's not as if it's, it's about to be here. It's not as if in several days or years or some point of uh, when I hit 20 years of walking with Jesus, I'll be made new. It's upon receiving this gift of grace that Jesus has for us, that God has for us through Christ, we're made new. The old is gone. The new is here. We're made new. Listen to Ephesians 4 that I had you turn to, starting in verse 22. You were, reached, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. We know that all too well, don't we? Our old self, it was corrupt. <laughs> Deceitful desires, selfish desires, sinful desires. That's what ruled our lives. 
to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Created. You see, that's what our God does is he creates. He creates. Sometimes we get the image of this new life is that it's just kind of a makeover. Or maybe it's like a, a car that gets a new paint job. Uh, some buddies of mine and some, some relatives, we used to flip houses and I, I just swept floors because I didn't know how to do anything, but they let me hang out. But we would go in there and put new paint on walls and fix a couple holes and maybe a new countertop, a few light fixtures. Boom, look at it, it's new. No, it wasn't, we just covered up the foundation, and we covered up the, the same old studs in the wall, and we covered up the same electrical. We covered everything up and just made it look new. Put a fresh, clean coat of paint on there, spruced up the yard a little bit. It wasn't new. We went and looked at one house, and we said, hey, can we grab this house and fix it up? It was crooked. The foundation actually sunk into the ground. I'm like, oh, that's a bad deal. Let's not get that one. You see, we're not just spruced up. We're not just, we're not just, we just don't have some new type of look to us. We just don't have a new smile. I'm a Christian. Right? We don't, it's not, we're made new. We're given a new life from the inside out. Our father's in the business of creating and he creates brand new. But there's this, this picture that Paul's giving us. And it's, a, it's kind of a method, because here's the deal, even though we are made new in an instant, we don't know how to live that way. We don't know how to conduct ourselves that way. We don't know how to, how to live in this amazing gift that we've been given. And so he kind of gives us a, a method, if you will, a, a way for us to, to kind of view it. It's given to us. The old has expired, it's done away with. But the new, you were created in the image of Christ. Whew, that's good. So listen to this methodology. He includes a couple things in here that we can do. He says, so put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. You remember that? The old self. For me, it was brutal. I was an angry, angry man. And anger ruled my life. And it's different things for different ones of us. Right? Maybe it was addictions. Maybe it was lust. Maybe it was lying, cheating. I don't know what it was, but there were certain things that just really ruled our life that had nothing to do with God. And we were absolutely enslaved to it. And Paul's saying, Put off the old self. And this idea at this part of the passage is literally talking about putting off old clothing, putting off dirty, defiled clothing. It's got no place on the new creation. It's inappropriate for us to wear. Come on, I'm up here talking to you about the word of God and I'm dressed like a slob. This isn't appropriate. This is my workout sweatshirt and there's probably a little bit of spaghetti sauce on here someplace, I'm sure. This is my, this isn't appropriate. 
I put on something that doesn't belong. That's our old self. That's, our, that's not who we used to be. And it's literally saying those are the clothes of the grave. Those are the dirty clothes that don't belong any longer. And they need to be put off. They literally need to be ripped off. It is not us. We are not this any longer. And we're not to put it on. We look at it and instead it needs to be discarded. Put it off. There needs to be this methodology to us, this method of us that we wake up in the morning and we got our choice. The very first thing we need to remember to do is I am a new creation. The old is cast away. And we start off that way. And when we realize that we put on the wrong clothing, we take it off. We put on, we realize by the way we're talking to somebody or speaking to somebody or the way we've just insulted somebody, or the way we've looked beyond somebody, or the way that we've put ourselves first instead of somebody else, then we take it off, because it's not us. And while it used to be comfortable to live that way, while it used to be commonplace to live that way, the next thing Paul talks about is you've been made new. And that means now it doesn't fit as well. Now it seems wrong. Now it doesn't feel quite as right. And you find that you put on the wrong clothing and you forgot to, to take it off and to cast it away. And all of a sudden, as you do that, you're like, that didn't feel as good as it used to. I didn't feel quite right. I didn't enjoy poking my brother in the eye. <laughs> then we take it off and we live in the new creation. And that's the other thing that Paul talks about is that we regularly put on the new creation. You don't make the new creation, it's made. But we do have to learn to live in it. And that's this concept of putting it on. And so I get into the word daily and I learn about the very character of God that I'm invited to live in. I learn about how God has made me new. I learn about what the, the priorities are of this new creation. I'm made in the image of God, so I study the image of God. I put on the new creation. It's already you, but we have our choice, don't we? To pull the grave clothes out and to put those on. Or to live in the new nature. And we'll have to make that choice moment by moment, day by day, conversation by conversation, and thought by thought, and interaction by interaction. And we must regularly put off and put on. For you have been made new and the old life is not you any longer. You have a God that chose you and created you anew. It's time we go learn what that's all about. But you've also been given a new father and a new position. It would have been enough to choose us. I mean, come on. The God of gods, Lord of lords, King of kings, choose me. Whoa. That would have been enough. It been enough to give me a, a new creation, a new identity, one that bends towards righteousness and holiness and away from sin. Oh, that would have been enough. One who's no longer chained to the sin of this life, but instead... We get to pursue holiness and righteousness and it feels great to do that. That would have been enough. But it wasn't. 
He adopts us. Galatians 4, 6 and 7 says this. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Those are big words. Those are huge words. What a concept. Romans 8 14 through 16 says, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. Right? Made new and dwelled by the spirit, led by the spirit. You are a child of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, by the spirit that dwells within us, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Let's unpack this for a minute. Paul would have been speaking to Romans, to Roman citizens, the people of that culture. And in that culture, it was not an uncommon thing to be adopted. Matter of fact, it was very common. If something would happen to uh, one of my child or my heirs, I would go adopt one into my family so that my legacy would continue, my family would continue. And what the father would do is he would literally go on a search. You gotta remember that's who Paul's talking to. This is what's common to them. This is what their thinking is. This is what's normal in their culture. So the father would go on a search to look for the young man that would have the character that he would want in his family, that would have the, uh, the skills that, to be in the family, that, would have the, that could take the rightful place in the family. <laughs> remember? Do you remember what we talked about last week? God chose us. He sent Christ to die for us so that when we were seen, we're seen in holiness and righteous. When we're seen by the Father, we're seen in the perfection of Christ. Oh, he chose us and made us perfect in his sight. And then when the child was found, all things of their past was severed. All things would be severed. All things of their past would be severed. Son and daughter of the great king, when he chose you, he severed you from his past. The old, he did away with it and he gave you new. It is gone. It is severed. You are not that person any longer. That is not who you are enslaved to. That is not what rules and guides your life, the old nature. He made you new. He severed the past. And then, being brought into the family, all their past debts would be forgiven. Whatever debts they would have to whoever it would be, it would be forgiven. You being brought into the family of God, your sins and your debts against the Father have been forgiven. They have been wiped away. And then the very last thing that would occur is there would be up to seven witnesses required to this adoption. They would, they would be able to attest about this adoption. So that at any point, 
Some of you can go, hey, is uh, Joe one of Frank's kids? Yep. I can attest to the adoption. Joe, yep. Frank's kid. Adopted. Joe, yep. Joe, I got it. Ten years later, yep. I, I'm testifying. And what does he give you? What does he give me? The Spirit of God. It indwells us so that it testifies. Does the Father love me? Yes! The Spirit testifies. Am I really a child of God? Yes! The Spirit testifies. Is my past real? Yes! The Spirit testifies. Moment by moment, day by day, interaction by interaction, conversation by conversation. In case you forget, in case you grab the old clothing, the Spirit testifies that you are a son or a daughter of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God Almighty. And you are heir, you are heir to him. You have been brought into the rightful place of a son or daughter. Now think about what that means in our, in our, our families, our, our just kind of mixed up, earthly, crazy families, right? My sons have access to everything that I am. They have keys to my house. They have keys to my cars. They, they can, they, they grab my wallet. They do, I mean, they have access. They have access. They have access to all that I am. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of phone calls that I got to say, hey, I'll get back to that one. Not one of my sons, uh-uh. They call, boom. I don't care who I'm in a meeting with. I'm sitting with Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick, boom, what can I do for you, son? It does not matter. They're my sons. They have access to me. They have a rightful place at my table. And nobody, nobody can take that away from them. There was a time when we sat and looked at the table of God. And we were outsiders. There was an enemy line between us. It would have been enough to choose us and just bring us into the banquet. That would have been enough. It had been enough to make us new and we'd been dressed appropriately for the banquet. That would have been enough. <laughs> we, we spent a lot of our days maybe eating at the crumbs. But he said, no longer. You are my son. You are my daughter. You have a seat at the table right next to me. You will eat of the king's plate. Because you are a child of the Father with all the rights and privileges that come along with that. And what happens is our spirit cries. That's what that passage says. It says that our spirit cries, Abba, Father. The word Abba is Aramaic for Father, okay? But it's an intimate word. It's an intimate word. The best word that we have for this word Abba is daddy, but it, it, in our word, it's, 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 it's not the best, but it gives us a picture. You see, because it doesn't lack respect, it's not lacking any type of importance, it still is a great honoring, high honor, high respect word, but it has the intimacy that we attach to daddy. 
It has the intimacy and the closeness and the openness to presence that we attach to daddy. Remember when the, those of you that have children, maybe you're, they're still little. One of my greatest moments was when I would come home and I'd walk in the door and they'd come running, dad, boom, you know, and I fly over, oh, you knocked over a 280 pound kid, yeah, that's great. It was just great. You know, we'd roll around and yeah, it's all beautiful. It's the best day, best part of my day. I couldn't wait. Daddy! Woo! That's our daddy. That's our Abba Father. We run into his presence. And he says, I know your day was difficult. I know life has been beating you up. I know the things said to you shouldn't have been said to you. I know you're lost. I know you're confused. I know you're wondering. I know you have questions. I know. Come and sit with daddy. Because I am your father and I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I desire to pour blessing out to you. I desire to give you my knowledge. I want my plans to be your plans. I want my desires to be your desires. At best, as human fathers, we want the best for our kids, but there's always a little bit of our own selfishness in there. Never on the part of Father God. Never. He is perfect in every way. I don't know what kind of fathers you've had. Maybe you've had the world's best father, but it's still the world's best father. And our Heavenly Father is perfect in every way and every manner. I didn't have such a great father. But I love the image of my Abba Father being absolutely perfect in every possible way. I am always welcomed into the Father's presence. I have a Father that protects me and never abandons me. I have a Father that wants the best for me. I have a Father that wants to teach me to be like him. I have a Father that wants me to give, wants to give me every good blessing. He shares his plans with me and, and wants his plans to be my plans. I was once the object of his wrath and now I'm the object of his blessing. I have a father that wants me to be about the family business, the business of life change. John Piper said this, and talking about this idea of Abba Father. He said, the children of God hate sin. The children of God have the values, priorities, preferences, and tastes of their father. They are chips off the old block. He goes on to say, and the reason Paul uses the word cry and the Aramaic word Abba is because both of them point to deep affection, personal, authentic experience with God's fatherly love. He didn't say that the testimony of the spirit was that we affirm doctrinally that God is father. He didn't say that. The devil knows that doctrine. Doctrinal affirmations, as important as they are, don't make children. When he said, what he said was that the testimony of the spirit that we are God's children is that from our hearts there arises an irrepressible cry. It's not just a statement. It's a cry that can't be repressed. A cry that says, Abba! And he is always available. Always. 
available. Sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, you've been made new. You've been given a new father that leads us, guides us, protects us, shows us, speaks to us. May we live in those truths. May we live in the blessing. Over the next three weeks, we're going to see something phenomenal around here. Over 40 people are going to be baptized who have said, yes, Jesus, I want your forgiveness. Yes, I want to be made new, and they are. And yes, Abba, Father, the Spirit screams your name and you embrace me. Father, may we celebrate with these amazing sons and daughters of you. May we celebrate their confession. May we celebrate their position. And may we celebrate your love for them. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, just like we've been talking about, we're this incredible reality that as we give our life to Jesus Christ, we're, we've been made new. We're a new person and we've been adopted by God. And today we celebrate as we continue to worship together. This is a worship moment. We continue to celebrate with worship through baptisms. And uh, like Pastor Tim said, uh, this is a group of, of, and there's going to be 44 people over the next three weekends who have given their life to Christ. and They're going to be baptized and they want everyone to know that they're a follower of Jesus and baptism, it symbolizes death to my old life, and that's going down into the water, and then resurrection to my new life, and that's coming up out of the water. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. And baptism symbolizes belonging to God's family. 1 Corinthians 12.13, For we were all baptized by one Spirit, it's the Spirit of God, so as to form one body. And that's the body of Christ. And baptism symbolizes a profession of my faith and my commitment back to God. Romans 10, 9 says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we're going to enjoy uh, some, some baptizing. This is my friend Joy. Joy, come on over here. And... Uh, Joy and Michael here, they're just tall enough. It's perfect. And uh, Joy, Joy came to know Jesus Christ here at church in our summer program for children called Kids Campus. And our children's ministry director, Lisa DeMont, spent some time praying with Joy, and Joy accepted Jesus Christ into her heart. And so Joy has a verse that she wants to share with us, so if you turn your attention to the screens. The Lord gives me strength. I sing about him. He has saved me. He is my God. I will praise him. He is my Father. God, I will honor him. It's about strength, his strength, that he always lets us have strength. Awesome. All right, Joy, is it true that you're trusting in Jesus Christ for your salvation? Yes. Is it also true that just like your shirt says and my shirt says that you want to follow Jesus your entire life? Yes. 
Yes. Okay. Because of your profession of faith, it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Great job. It's been an exciting time. Uh, and uh, Joy and Michael are our brother and sister. And uh, if you'll turn your attention to the screen for Michael's testimony. I asked them into my heart in mom's class when we do church. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Michael, it's been a lot of fun hanging out with you today. You are a cool kid. Is it true, Michael, that you are trusting in Jesus Christ and yes. him alone? Okay, for your salvation. <laughs> And is it also true that you want to follow Jesus for the rest of your life? Yes. Okay. Well, because of your profession of faith in Jesus, it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Good job, buddy. <laughs> I think that over here. <laughs> We got some big kids too. This is George, and if you'll turn your attention to the screen. I was actually, it was on August 14th. It was after a concert here at the church, and I uh, ended up buying a CD, and then on my way home, I actually listened to the CD, and I heard the song in concert, which didn't impact me until I was in the vehicle, and then I actually just, you know, wanted to change my life uh, at that moment, and so I, surrendered my life to Christ. Well, I noticed uh, the music, you know, music changed everything. I basically cleared out my whole uh, genre of music and uh, I noticed I've always been happy. Um, you know, I still have problems like everyone else, but I know how to handle them, you know. I feel like a lot, a lot uh, Christ carries all my luggage and, and I'm free of it. So I'm happy and I like to just tell everybody about my, my testimony and so I'm just full of joy. Yes, it's uh, Psalms uh, chapter 30, 1 through 3. Um, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Actually, I just give the glory to God because he saved my life. So that means a lot to me. Um, I feel that he just uh, taken me out of that state of that I was in and led me to where I'm at now. Awesome. Was it true that you're trusting in Jesus Christ and him alone for your salvation? Yes. Is it also true that you want to follow Jesus for the rest of your life? Yes. Okay, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And this is his bride, Christina. And if you'll turn to uh, the video, 
for her testimony. I was at a camp when I was about 12 years old. It was like an outdoor ed weekend camp and that's where I asked Jesus into my heart when I was a kid. God has done a miracle in my marriage and in my family. I just want to become a member of the church as well. So I just, I want it, it's, it's part of my path. I worry a lot less. I am a worry person. I'm a stress basket. I am constantly um, overanalyzing everything. And so I just feel like with him by my side, everything is just completely different and easier and um, a lot easier. Um, there is, it's actually about worrying. Um, it's Philippines 4, 6, 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and by petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Because I'm just able to give everything to God, and He takes care of everything, finance, I mean, just everything in my life, He takes care of 100%, so I could worry less. <laughs> Is it true that you're uh, trusting in Jesus Christ and Him alone for your salvation? Yes. Is it also true that just like our shirts say, you want to follow Jesus for the rest of your life? Absolutely. Because of your profession of faith, it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Great job. Great job. Great job. <laughs> my friend Selena. If you'll turn your attention to the screen for her video. Well, I always believe in Christ, um, but it wasn't until last summer um, that I had become a single mom. And it was really overwhelming for me because my son at the time was 10 months old. So I was just, it was a lot to try to take care of a, a little baby by yourself. So one night I just broke down. I was crying and I I asked God if he could please help me and if he could come into my life. And at that moment, I just felt an overwhelming feeling of peace come over me. And I was just like, it was surprising, but I was really happy. And, and I knew that at that moment he was with me and I made a promise to him that I would never turn away from him, him again. Um, I'm a much happier person now and I don't stress over the things that I used to stress over. And I just, I feel like I'm a better mother for my son and I'm a better person for myself. And I enjoy coming to church and I read the Bible every day. And I, I teach my son about God as well. So he prays when he eats his food. I tell him, Rome, pray before you eat. And he puts his hands together and he prays. And I just, I just want to, to be able to have Christ in my life, but show my son. I want to bring him up to, to know who God is and to also follow him as well. It's Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. That's encouraging to me because what I was going through at the time, I felt really weak and I didn't know what to do and I just felt like giving up. And that just, that verse just tells me that since I chose to accept Christ into my life, I don't have to worry about anything because God is with me and I'm always gonna be strong with him by my side. 
Is it true that you're trusting in Jesus Christ and him alone for your salvation? Yes. Is it also true that you want to follow Jesus for the rest of your life? Yes. Because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation, it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you are a friend or a family member of one of these, uh, you can stand right now. They can look out. Join Michael. Come on up here to the front so you can kind of see out here. Just go ahead and stand wherever you are so they can see where you are. Awesome. And if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus but you haven't been baptized yet, we want to encourage you to get baptized. And uh, let's have everybody stand, and we're going to pray for, for these folks as they're baptized and just celebrating in Christ today. Let's pray together. Father God, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for, for these children of God. Lord, you are our Father, and uh, they have submitted their lives to you. And God, we ask that as a church, we'd come alongside them well and encourage them in their discipleship. And so God, we offer all of these, all of these baptisms to you as an act of worship today. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said. Amen. Amen. Let's worship. We're gonna come out. Let's proclaim these truths that we believe in our hearts this morning. I believe in God our Father. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is God, believing that you are our Father, that we are your children. God, we believe that you have given us new life. The old is gone, the new has come, Lord. We are new creations. Thank you for these promises of yours, Lord, that are true. We love you. We praise you. In the name of Jesus Christ and all God's family, say, amen. Mm. Beautiful testimonies. The old is gone, the new is here, we are created. It's not a cover up, it's not a makeover, it's gone. We don't put it back on, it's not who we are any longer. We're sons and daughters of the great king. We have a place at the table, we've been invited in, we've been made heirs to the things of God, all the rights and privileges of a son or daughter. We need to live that way. That needs to be the pursuit of our lives. 
to live with our Father. But he's also given us a new way of thinking. In Romans 8, 5, it says this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. That's the old way. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Our minds, our thoughts, what consumes us is what the Spirit wants. How do we know we're sideways? <laughs> when we're thinking about things that have to do with the old life. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. <laughs> They're not weapons of the world. You know, how do we get rid of the old life? How do we stop putting on the old self? Well, we don't pull out a sword and cut it up. We don't, we don't, we don't pull out a gun. We don't, we don't call in for an airstrike against the old self. We have something far greater. Look what it says. It says, they have divine power. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. As a son or daughter of the king, you have been given access to divine power that can demolish the strongholds in your life. And that's better than any weapon known to mankind. Divine power. What is it that grips you? What is it that trips you? What is it that tears you down? What is it? What is it that enslaves you to the old life? What is it? There is divine power available to you to demolish the strongholds. It no longer has to rule in your life. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Because we're children of God, sons and daughters of God, we've been given access to this divine power. And what do we do with it? We weigh everything. We hold every thought, every idea, every philosophy. We hold it captive to Christ. What does God say about it? What does he think about it? Who does he say we are? What is his right? What is his next best thing for us? And we hold it up. And when, and when what we want or what we desire or the way we're acting or the things we're running after don't agree with this, then boom, it's gone. The divine power breaks the stronghold and we align ourselves with Christ. For we are sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he makes sure that we are not bound by anything but his love. Our role, our responsibility, what are we putting on? What are we walking through life with? Clothed in the old nature or living in the new? We hold every thought captive to Christ. In Philippians 4.8, Paul gives us some thoughts that we can compare it to. Finally, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, what is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's what you're holding captive. Is what I'm thinking about honorable? Is it pure? Is it right? Is it lovely? 
Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? And if not, then through the power of God, I demolish that stronghold on my life. Ladies, can I take a moment and speak specifically to you? I realize I'm not a woman. <laughs> I don't want to be one either. And I, <laughs> I, I shared this with um, a leader in one of the churches I was at. And she said, oh, Tim, can I, can I share with you a word picture that God gave me about this idea of things that are right and noble and honorable and lovely. I go, yeah, yeah, do it. And after she shared it to me, I said, man, you got to stop. We got to get you sharing this in front of the whole church. And so I had her, I taught on this passage and she got up and she taught and she shared her testimony. She shared the word picture that God gave her. And it was one of the most beautiful moments in our church. So I'd like to share it with you and there's no way I can do it justice, but ladies, I'm going to try. She said, Tim, you have to understand that as women, we struggle with words a lot. We struggle with what's been said to us, what hasn't been said to us. We struggle with our past. We struggle with choices. We struggle with the condition of our hearts. We struggle. She goes, and nobody can say worse things to myself than I can. Because I destroy myself on a regular basis by what I say to myself. And she said, and when I read this passage, it was as if God had to give me something a little bit more clear that I could understand in my term, in my day. And I got this vision of a, of a VCR, just an old school VCR. And you put the videotape in there and you start watching the movie. And you rewind it and you watch it again and you rewind it and you watch it again and you watch it in reverse and you watch it forward. And she goes, it was the same movie over and over again. It was the same movie over and over again that I watched and it talked about my mistakes and it showed me all my missteps and it showed me my careless words and the careless words that were spoken to me. She goes, it just, I just watched it and I watched it and I watched it. And God said, it is time to pull the videotape out and put a new one in. It's time to stop listening to the trash and the garbage and the deceit of this life. And it is time to have a movie that you can watch that is full of lovely thoughts. It's full of admirable thoughts. It's full of praiseworthy thoughts. It's full of the thoughts that I think about you. And that evening when she shared that, we stayed there for hours praying with women. Who needed a new movie? who needed to get rid of the tape that kept playing over and over again. Sisters, daughters of God, if that's you, please change the video. You're a daughter of the king and he doesn't think those things about you. You see, every one of his thoughts about you is admirable. Every one of his thoughts about you is lovely. Every one of his thoughts about you is pure. Every one of his thoughts about you is praiseworthy. Every one of his thoughts about you is excellent. Please, start watching that movie. Guys, I know we struggle with that too sometimes. But one of the ways that this took root in my life is a friend of mine, we were memorizing this passage. And we were in working out, and it was about 5.30 in the morning. 
And literally, we were the only ones in the gym, and we liked it that way, and we would talk about God, and we shared scripture and memorized scripture, and we were memorizing this one. Doing a lift that we had to stand in front of a mirror, or at least we wanted to. And uh, so he was over there, and I was over here, and we had dumbbells going, and whatever. We were doing it. And we were literally speaking this passage into one another's lives and talking about what it might mean. And, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this woman walks in. And we're like, dude, it's 5.30, nobody's supposed to be here. <laughs> and so we actually started sharing the passage a little bit louder to each other. And there was a, a spot right between us that she just walked right into. And I was like, oh. And so as we were still sharing the, the passage, we're sharing it, we're sharing it. And literally, we're now talking out loud. She's looking at us like we're the strangest freaks that ever existed. And we have these dumbbells in our hands. And all of a sudden, my buddy goes, flee! And he ran out. And I was like, no! Ah! And I ran out too. We, we literally did. I have no idea why they let us back in the gym, but they did. Listen, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't stay there any longer. We, we, we couldn't trust ourselves with the old thoughts. We needed to get out because all we wanted was those thoughts that were admirable. And now we had something to test them with. A time in my life, I'd have entertained any thought that entered into my head and I'd enjoyed it. But suddenly, I was changing. I was putting on that new self. I was given new thoughts to think. And they were admirable and they were lovely and they were praiseworthy and they were so much better than my old crummy thoughts. You've been given new thoughts. Spend your days thinking new thoughts. And finally this, we're covered by grace. When God chose you, he didn't give you an injection of grace and go, hey, that's it, hope it lasts. Right, it wasn't, a, you weren't inoculated with grace. You were, you were, we were covered by grace and that grace continues and that grace abounds and that grace is sufficient and that grace is always covering us. Children of God, we are constantly under grace. Will you mess up? Yes. However, it is not okay to just sit around and go, eh, well, nobody's perfect. No, we have a father who's perfect, and we're the sons and daughters of the king. We should strive to be perfect as the father is perfect. Make no mistake about it. We want to eradicate sin from our lives. Will we stumble and fall? You betcha. Will we wind up on our face? Absolutely. Will we sometimes pick up the dirty, nasty, stanky death clothes and put it on? We will. And then we go to the father. We say, I'm so sorry, father. And will he embrace us every time? Will he forgive us? Absolutely. Will he set us anew? He will. Will he give us those steps back? He will. Will he put us back on the path of righteousness? Absolutely. Will he walk with us, uphold us, lift us up? He absolutely, positively will. Because we are covered by grace, an unending, eternal grace that is always covering us. And it is time, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, that we live that way. Covered by grace made new, a child of God, new thinking, living in grace. Father, help us to do that and be the sons and daughters that you desire for us to be.